Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to thank one of our listeners, Brent Jackson, who left us a review. He wrote, Episode 79 is truthful and graceful guidance in helping us to understand the chaos in this world. Dr. Youssef's comparison of moral relativism to a football field, where each player is playing by their own rules, helps to put relevant handles on our moment in history. And it reminds us why we need Jesus. We cannot play the game of life or love well without him. Brent, we are so encouraged to know this episode was helpful, and thank you for sharing your takeaways with us. We are sending you a copy of Dad's newest book, Hope for This Present Crisis. Thank you so much. Did you know that leaving a review and rating helps others find us? Would you mind leaving us a review today? Using your favorite podcast platform, go to our show and leave a rating along with a review, and perhaps next week we'll mention you on the show. Now, on to our episode. I'm always going to fail on the rules and the role model because what I need is a redeemer that can actually give me the power and forgive my sin and overcome some of the challenges I've got in life. I cannot do that alone. I need Jesus to do that. And that's what's special about the Christian faith. I was incredibly honored that this week's guest would take time out of his busy schedule to sit down with me and share his wisdom and insight into the Christian life and his incredible success in the global transportation business. Sir Brian Souter is a brother from Scotland and one of the UK's most successful businessmen. In this episode of Candid Conversations, we discuss how he has remained focused on Christ in a mainstream business culture that can conflict with a Christian worldview. Sir Brian Souter founded the Stagecoach Group, a public transportation provider in the UK and North America. He founded the bus and coach operator Megabus, the train operating company Southwest Trains, and now runs his investment company and the Souter Charitable Trust that has supported over 13,000 causes in 13 years. In 2011, he was knighted by Her Majesty the Queen for services to transport and the voluntary sector. Whether you are an entrepreneur, business person, or otherwise, we hope you are encouraged by Sir Brian's testimony and the witness of the power of Christ, our Redeemer. Now, on to our candid conversation. Well, Sir Brian Souter, it is uh, an honor and a privilege to have you on Candid Conversations uh, this morning for me and this afternoon for you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Sir Brian, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your faith journey, your coming to Christ, and, and how all that developed. Well, I was brought up in a council housing estate. We're a very uh, ordinary family. Um what was um, extraordinary was that my parents were both believers and um, my mother was very, very active in the church and she dragged me to every meeting 
including the women's meeting. So we're never away from the church. <laughs> um, despite all that, I wasn't damaged as a result of that. You know, some people think, oh, they, they were too immersed in it. But actually, I, I quite enjoyed that, the lifestyle as a child. And then I, I realized that, that while my parents had this faith, I realized that I didn't and I needed to make a decision for myself. Mm-hmm. So I was actually quite a young child, a 10-year-old, when I made that decision for Christ. But it was a very conscious decision and a very vivid experience, which I still remember the enormous feelings of peace and joy that that brought to me. I think as time went on and I, I became a teenager, I then began to sort of question the intellectual basis of Christianity. But I had definitely had this experience, which was underpinning my faith, and as I looked around in the housing estate in which we lived, I realized that my parents were different and we didn't have a perfect home like any normal family. We had our issues and all the rest of it. But I realized that there was something different about our lifestyle. And I, I recognized then there's a, a dictionary term that says truth and it says agreement with reality is the definition of truth. And as I looked around, I realized that this was the truth because it agreed with the reality that I was seeing in our home. So that was a pretty important foundational experience for me. And also she really had, a my mother in particular, had a real heart for the poor and for the disenfranchised. And, you know, she was a great role model for us and she would take us to, you know, homes of poor people and she was going to help them. And all of this, I think, leaves a great impression on a child. And you realise, well, you know, this whole Christian faith thing is is the thing that's making the difference in our lives. My father was a bus driver. and I was very passionate about transport. And so I wanted to get a career in transport. So I'm a qualified accountant, but I've always wanted to get into a career in transportation. So on deregulation, I joined forces with my sister and went into partnership, founded a company called Stagecoach. It's um, 40 years old now, so it's it's quite a big company. It employs 24,000 people. We're now both retired. I'm still on the board, but I'm retired from sort of day-to-day management. And I spend a lot of my time working in the family office, Suter Investments, where we have a portfolio of private equity investments. So to use the the sort of cliche term that we use as sort of the rags to riches story, right? Tell us a little bit about the different challenges that you faced uh, through that process growing up in that community and then how your faith really shaped that growth and that process through sort of career development. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we think that our influences in the world are corruptive, one of these corruptive influences is, is money and the other corruptive influence is power. But interesting enough, people that make money very often then crave power. It's almost like it's a moral pyramid they like to ascend. And then if they go further up it, they become very well known and like that's their opportunity for immortality to be go down in history. They're so achievements are so great and they're so famous. Yeah. The thing about being a Christian is that it's the upside down kingdom, isn't it? You know, that, that none of that stuff's important. Yeah. Really. And so I would say that for me, 
I've not found some of these things that challenging because the same values that I had before I, I started making a lot of money were consistent through all that period. And it's interesting, I remember once Jonathan Aitken, um, it was at one time quite a famous Tory M MP who had a big scandal and all the rest of it and became a Christian. He came to our church and one of the we did an interview with him and one of the questions was, what do you think is the most corrupting influence in the world, power or money? And he reflected on that. He said, well, for me, it wasn't either of these things. It was my problem. He said, pride was my problem. And, you know, I think as I look around, I think that was the original sin. And in some ways, it's the most sinister temptation, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, that is where we fall is if we allow the devil to get into our lives and that pride starts to grow. And, you know, being a follower of Jesus and putting Christ center in our life and first in our life really helps with that big problem, <laughs> the problem with the big eye, the big ego in our lives, you know. Yeah. And so as I look back over the years, I, th I just thank God that I've been saved from that because it is very destructive in our lives. And, for instance, with our giving, we're applying the same principles now as I did when I was a bus conductor with how I view other people. Yeah. I'm looking at people the same way as I did then because the Lord saves us from a lot of these corrupting influences that we naturally come in contact with on our journey through life. I love that you bring that up. You know, the the people do consider, you know, the power and the and the money as the, the corrupting influence, but you're right, it's it's a pride issue. But you know, for someone like yourself who people would consider a, a self made man, how do you fight against the struggle of pride, of of uh, beginning to think that um, your success was because of the the wise decisions that you made versus sort of a, a sovereignty of God approach? Well, I think there's been some defining moments in my life where I've, I've had this struggle and had to revisit the issue of when we sing I surrender all, right? yeah. um, but actually following through in it is sometimes difficult. And then the other thing is after we say I surrender, Lord, we've got a terrible habit and I still have this struggle with the same problem that having given everything to Christ, we then start to take things back off the altar again. And some of the things we take back actually are real garbage things like, you know, anxiety and problems that we want to, somehow we, we take them back on ourselves when, and make our lives miserable as a result of it, you know. Yeah. But there have been some defining times, like there was one point where I thought the business was going to go burst and the Lord really spoke to me about it and convicted me about it. And I realized that I shouldn't be worrying about it and being anxious and losing sleep and all the problems. I had to say, Lord, look, I'm passing this into your hands. If it's your will that we go bankrupt, I'll accept it and I'll accept it as your will and you'll see me through this. And if the business is successful, it's because it's your business and it's been surrendered across to you. And so that was a defining moment in the sort of, success of stagecoach journeys that were at a moment that we hit a low and sometimes it's in these moments of lows that we actually get that consecration thing right and get our priorities thing right i think um when people continue to be more and more successful then there's more temptation there but i think that 
through what we hear, often from a pulpit or through the scripture or the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we're reminded at times this is only because it's in the Lord's will that it's going to happen. And that is to do with We forget his will. Of mind, you know. You bring up a really interesting point that always strikes me, and it's you've talked about the, the principles for success, and part of that is the sort of laying it at the feet of the altar. But at the same time, there are principles for success, which are sort of motivations like hard work. And these are all biblical principles, but they can so easily become, again, a a reflection, a a self-focus. So if I work hard, if I put in this much hard work, I should expect this much outcome. And there's a level of truth to that. But at the same time, there's still the tension between that sovereignty, trusting and handing over to God, which you've just described, and the hard work. And again, like how have you through your career with successful businesses sort of meted out that balance? Well, Christianity does a number of things for us, doesn't it? You know, and the first thing it does for us, it gives us a set of rules to follow. And and I need rules because I'm not very good at keeping rules, if I'm being honest. And, I, um, you know, I was a rather disobedient and slightly anarchic teenager. So we all need rules in our lives. And if we don't have rules, then we we end up just making the rules ourselves. And that's what happens in the world around about us. We're now making our own rules and we're ignoring God's rules with horrendous consequences as a result of that. Mm. Now, if you just have the rules, then life is very dry and you know, you're know you also going to be plagued by failure because we often break them and fall short. You know, And then the next thing we have in Christianity is that Jesus gives us a role model. So we don't just have a set of rules to follow, but he says, look, here's the rules, but here's the role model. You know, and we've got some shockingly bad role models in the world round about us today. Yeah. I was very fortunate. I referred to my mother, who was a very good role model for us, right? And I hope I'm a role model for my children. I, I could be a much better role model than I've been. But, you know, we don't want to be appallingly bad role models for young people and people who come in contact with. But Jesus is the perfect role model. So I'm never going to be disappointed in him. And he's always going to show me the right way to do something. If, when I fail in the rules, I can look at the role model. But every religion has rules and role models. But what's different about the Christian faith is that we have a redeemer in Jesus Christ. And that's where the power part of it comes. So I'm always going to fail on the rules and the role model. Because what I need is a redeemer that can actually give me the power and forgive my sin and overcome some of the challenges I've got in life. I cannot do that alone. I need Jesus to do that. And that's what's special about the Christian faith. So to me, it's the combination of these things and the balance of these things. If you've got the rules, but you don't have Jesus as a role model, then you're going to be a pretty yeah. miserable character trying to keep these rules, right? You know, if you if you have the role model and the rules, then it's better, but you need the Redeemer to give you the power to actually live the life that we're talking about. And one of the tragedies of Christianity is that we are not focusing on the Redeemer part of it. And a lot of the time, the reason why we get such bad press and, and we look so dry 
is that we're not actually presenting the power that Jesus has to people to change their lives. Well, and what is it that you feel is being presented to the world? Is it just the rules or or it's the rules and the role model? I, I mean, I'm telling you, this sounds like you've preached this before, the three R's. You've got a good makings of a sermon here. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the problem. I mean, the Redeemer putting Christ central to things because, because Jesus is attractive and there's a supernatural dimension to the Redeemer aspect of Jesus Christ. Um, not just the kind of philosopher, the good example, the, the prophet, but, you know, the uniqueness of God's son and what he did on Calvary and the power that that brings yeah. into our lives. And when we experience that, it helps us with these other challenges we talked about earlier on, the, the, the pride that creeps into our lives because we're humbled. When yeah. we focus on Jesus, we're naturally humbled by what he did. And when we experience his love, then it makes us look at the world very, very differently from how we looked at it before. Yeah. You've worked your way up into the, the highest rankings of company and business. What is sort of your, your management style and how does your faith influence the way that you manage a team or a company? And then I guess the second tier to that would be what's your evangelism approach within that? Because, you know, you have a lot of influence and you could obviously influence people from a, p- a position of power and you don't want to exert that in, in an unhelpful way. So I, again, what's your sort of Christian influence in, in management style? And then, and then how do you work out evangelism through that? That's a good question. I mean, I think on the first question, I think it, it is important that you're consistent in how you deal with things. I always think on how do people feel about you? It's better to ask the people that work for me than to ask yeah. me. But I try yeah. in my heart to be a fair person and an honest person to deal with. And for the most part, my relationships have been very good with people, even with, com- with competitors or whatever. And I, I think that having Christ in your life is an enormous help in business, actually, because I think it helps you to keep your objectivity and times when you naturally go, ah, you know, I just hate them all or whatever, right? Then, you know, you've got this other influence in your life. Says, well, no, that's not actually the way you should be going about this and that these aren't the right feelings to have about this. So I actually think it's been an enormous help to me. Um, I think just tying into the second part of the question, how do you go about the evangelism? You absolutely have to respect people's space and their their right to determine you know i'd never ever use my influence to try to bring to bear but i do think it's important still to you know if you think someone's interested you know invite them on an alpha or whatever i have often had people that work with me you know come to church and but i don't lean on them to do that i only only put that if i feel there's a desire a sensitivity and a willingness or whatever and i'd never ever misuse my power to do that with someone and I think that it's interesting you know especially in the small family office that we have you know I've not gone out and recruited people in there that are Christians I've just always recruited the best people to do the job and I think that people respect you when if they if you're consistent in your witness I think that they respect you um and there are times that you'll fail but actually being authentic, I think, is really important these days for people. 
And young people can spot a fake a mile away, in particular young people. They really yeah. like authenticity. Um, they'd rather have flawed yeah. authenticity than fake consistency, you know. So um, yeah, I think that, that it's important just to be pretty open with people. And it's interesting in, in the Suter Investments workplace because they know that most of the money gets cycled into Suter Charitable Trust. And actually, that's a great opportunity to show practically what a Christian witness is like and, and how Christ changes our lives. That The way we view our stewardship and our material wealth, we view it as a stewardship and not as an ownership. I think that's a really important yeah. message for people to get. Yeah. I have Christians who come to me and they're in different areas of, uh, of the workplace, you know, the financial sector or what have you. And they're concerned about uh, the political agendas that are adopted by companies and corporations and what that might mean for them as intensity picks up and there's a pressure to conform. And I wonder to hear from you on that as a person who has owned a company and, and has been up in the, that sort of higher level of, of management and direction, you know, what would be some of your words of advice or encouragement to, to people who are, you know, seeking what decisions to make uh, as it relates to the future uh, with whatever company or corporation they may be working for? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And it's a very difficult subject because we are seeing a big change in society's values. So as we see that and companies embrace some of these values, which I guess is only natural because companies sit in the mainstream of what's going on, um, there are more and more conflicts of interest for Christians in corporations. And, you know, we're going to have to be like the Christians were in Roman times. We were sat in a society that was basically very alien to Christian values, you know, totally driven by idolatry and by a set of um, ethical values that Christians would not embrace at all. And we're kind of going back to that. That's That's... So we have to learn from the early church. And I think my advice would be, first of all, be careful about how you choose the subjects that you decide to make an issue about in the sense that sometimes there are really important things that are really fundamental to us. And are really you've got to say, well, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do this. It's, it's alien to my creed. Don't be picky and just be awkward about stuff that isn't really that important. So I think you've got to choose the, the battleground very carefully. And then the second piece of advice is this issue is about human rights, believe it or not. It's about the human rights of Christians as individuals to hold the views that they have. So I think we've got to move from Christian values being imposed on other people in society, which is what happened in the last century, we're being honest, right? To just a minute, yeah, yeah. as Christians, we have got to have opt-out rights here. And we have these rights because as individuals, we should be treated with the same respect as any other member of society. So I think we have to kind of change our mindset a bit here. So there are times when really we should be making a human rights argument about what Christians should be exempted from participating in. And I think that's where we're going to see the legal cases in the next 20 years. We're going to be quite different from what happened in the last century 
which was the reverse, where people were saying, just a minute, I don't sign up to these Christian ethics, so I'm opting out on that. It's going to be the reverse of that in the 21st century. We're going to have to use human rights arguments about why we should still be allowed to hold our beliefs and how that's going to affect our interaction with companies and governments and other corporations. These are great, helpful thoughts and ideas uh, for people who may be facing uh, these issues. Sir Brian Suter, I do wish we had more time, but I I know that uh, we're on a bit of a time crunch. And so I I really am appreciative of you uh, taking the time to come and speak with us. And um, we thank you so much. Thank you. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us, and we will send you a free copy of Dad's latest book, Hope for This Present Crisis. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.